0: well good morning everybody so um as a church we have a mission statement kind of a motto which is we want to be a place that helps people believe that life is better with Jesus, and, and that really drives kind of even the spirit of the series, where we love looking at the Bible and saying, hey, how does it speak into real day, everyday life, real affairs of life, the real challenges, plights, beauty of life, and how can we bring Jesus to bear on that in such a way that people through our lives can see how life is better with Jesus, and how when we live like Jesus, we make life better for those around us. That's kind of the heart of the series. That's the heart of our church. And so we've been looking at a lot of different things that are kind of real everyday life kind of stuff, right? So we've looked at marriage and parenting and communication and sex and money. And today we are looking at work, our vocation, what we do in the real world day in, day out, and how we can bring Jesus to bear on that environment. So, looking forward to today. I know it's going to apply to all of us in different ways. And so, as we get into this, I want to remind you that we do have an app. And in the app, there are notes that you can follow along with. Lots of blanks to fill in today. We're going to hit a lot of points. But the heart behind all of it, again, is not just simply information, but transformation. So we can look and function and think more like Jesus in the world that we inhabit. And so, right now, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Uh, as I do, just I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit will teach us and guide us in what He wants us to know for the day. And then we're going to just jump right into it. Let's go ahead and do this together. Jesus, I thank you that you are the God of everyday spaces that it isn't such lofty platitudes when we read your word that we don't know how to even apply that to the real world that we live in in the 21st century, but rather you speak often to the daily affairs of life. And so I pray that you will show us as individuals, right, that you will do that extra craftsmanship kind of stuff in us that shows us exactly how we can apply some of these ideas uh, to life tomorrow and Wednesday and Friday and throughout the week, whatever it is. And so Jesus, we thank you We look to you, we love you And we certainly need you in this journey So be with us and guide us In your good and kind name Amen All right. so we're getting underway with this idea of work And I'm curious, how many of you have ever had a job A boss or a circumstance in that context Where you're like, this is awful Anybody had like a bad gig? Okay, got some people with some bad gigs out there. I totally feel you, man. Before I did the whole pastor thing, I worked at a place called Yokes Pack and Save in Spokane. And some have been to Spokane, you know Yokes. But as soon as a place is called Yokes, You know, that's kind of like, really? You named it after a yolk of all the egg parts you can name it after. Um, But Yolks Pack and Save was this place that when Ellen and I first moved to Spokane for my internship, I got a job there. I needed a job fast, and I thought, okay, this will do it. And it was the worst job for me personally. Just my own personality, my makeup, everything else. Every day I would go to that job discouraged. I would leave depressed. I hated it. And after about six months, I remember telling Ellen, like, this is the worst job ever in human history. It's the worst, you know? And then I looked around at jobs throughout human history. And there are some jobs that are far worse, all right? So before there was this broken sin problem, uh, we internally were, were complete. We were whole. But with the rebellion, suddenly we had emotional, physical, psychological challenges. And as a worker, that becomes hard, right? Some days you're depressed. Some days you're anxious. Some days you don't fully understand your job. You have limited capacity. And so just as individuals, it makes work difficult then you take us as an individual and you have us work with other individuals and that's the second part we don't always work well together in fact from genesis 3 to genesis 4 you see these relational breakdowns the the husband and the wife have a breakdown they end up having two sons they have a breakdown by the end of chapter 4 you see there's this guy Lamech and he meets a stranger and they have breakdowns and so just In the simplest way we can think of, just going to work in whatever your capacity, whether it's volunteer or it's clocking in or it's going to school, whatever it is, you have to work with others and that doesn't always play well. You don't always understand each other. You can't always be on the same page. Uh, So with that, there is challenge. It's hard. And then just the environment of life itself, the work environment is hard. Creation is always working against us. Entropy is always in play. My father-in-law, when he was alive, used to say to me, uh, nothing's ever easy, right? And and I know this, man, I was working on some cars this last week, and it seems like it's a a simple, straightforward job. It should be a 30-minute just endeavor, but you have a rusty bolt, something breaks. You gotta take half the engine apart just to get to that rear spark plug in the back, and nothing's fast, nothing's easy. It's cold, your fingers are numb. All of that kind of reminds us that these are the challenges of work. So work works against us, right? We had a good, then it went rough, but it means work is still good. Work may be hard, may be challenging, but work is still good. And so what that means then for us as followers of Jesus that are trying to figure out how to bring Jesus to bear on the world that we work and live in, it means that what we want to do with our work then, if you're looking at your notes, is that we want to be redeeming our work redeeming our work. Not just deeming it important or good or valuable, but looking at it from the perspective of, how can I use this work to bring redemptive qualities to the world? How can I do my work in such a way that my character, my demonstration, my display, my reputation becomes a vehicle to show Jesus to the world as I do my work? Because sometimes we just reduce it down to, all right, I do this for money. I do this to make a living. I do this to make the rent payment, make the house payment, buy groceries, whatever it is. But really we should look and say, this is an opportunity It's an opportunity for me to display character in this world, and it's an opportunity for me to honor God in this world as I display these types of things. In fact, there was a small business owner, and he wrote a letter called Colossians. His name is Paul. He owned a tent company, right? And he knew what it meant to try to work hard and do the hustle thing and and make sure you got enough supplies and you had buyers and you had to do marketing, everything else, because you're a tent maker. So he knows about work and he knows how to work hard and so he gives this encouragement to everybody who works He says work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ See what I love about this is he changes the motive The motive, again, isn't about working your way up the ladder, having job security. He's like, the motive is to make much of Jesus in whatever you do, and you're doing it for the sake of Jesus. So if you're in a job you love, give it 100%. If you're in a job you hate, you still give it 100%. If it's a volunteer job, 100%. If it's a paid gig, 100%. If it's a student, 100%. We give 100%, not for the thing itself. We're giving 100% because we love our Lord, and our Lord calls us to do that thing well. Right? And in there, there is going to be a blessing. In there, there's going to be reward. And see, when I think about this, I don't just think about it as the job itself. I think about how the job that we do is an opportunity to bring blessing, to bring flourishing, to bring encouragement to others, to bring good to our society. In fact, I don't remember when I came across this list. It's been in the last several years. But it was this list of different ways that we should look at our our work as redemptive. Like no matter what your job category, you're doing something that if you have the right perspective, you're bringing blessing to the world in pretty powerful ways. So it was this list of six different categories. And for some of us, we engage in what would be called revelatory work revelatory work is where uh, we are doing a thing that enlightens that brings knowledge to the world in some capacity so this might be preachers like myself but also scientists because when you look at like psalm 19 it says there's two sources of revelation in the world there's scripture and there's creation Right? And both God is revealing something there. So a scientist taps into all of God's natural revelation. The theologian taps into God's written revelation. These are beautiful ways to be engaged in revelatory work. There's also educators and journalists and scholars and writers. They're all unlocking God's beauty in all sorts of ways. Others are involved or engaged in compassionate work, which is about healing and guiding and shepherding. It might be nurses, nurses, doctors, paramedics, psychologists, therapists, social workers, pharmacists, community workers, nonprofit directors, emergency medical technicians, counselors, welfare agents, all of these are showing God's compassion in the world around us. Some are involved in justice work, judges and lawyers and paralegals, government regulators, legal secretaries, city managers, prison wardens and guards— Policy researchers, diplomats, supervisors, administrators, law enforcement personnel, you're doing more than just, hey, we're keeping the laws. No, you're bringing justice to the world, and you can bring God's justice to bear in these practical ways. There's also providential work. This is where we keep society running and functioning in a healthy way. This may be things like public utility workers, policy makers, shoekeepers, career counselors, shipbuilders, farmers, firemen, repairmen transport workers, IT specialists, entrepreneurs, bankers, merchants, engineers, building inspectors, plumbers, welders, janitors, right? These are the stuff that makes the world go around. I remember a few years ago talking to Tucker Jones, which is Dana's husband. His job is to build roads, and I thought, do you know how important you are? Like, without roads, nothing would work, Trust me, when we have windstorms and all the trees go down and you can't go anywhere, you suddenly know, like, I'm glad that roads get opened up and people can go places and do things. That's a blessing. It's providential work. There's also those who are engaged in creative work. Creative work are things like craftspeople, designers, metal workers, carpenters, builders, fashion designers, architects, urban planners, right? These are ways that we bring beauty to the world and encouragement. And then, of course, there is redemptive work. And this is all about God saving and reconciling, reconciling actions. So this can be counselors, peacemakers, writers, artists, producers, songwriters, poets, actors, and the list can go on. I just love the fact that in coming across this list, it suddenly transformed how we see work. And it doesn't just have to be, oh, well, I do X. No, God's made you to do X. God's invited you to do X. And if you figure out how God is blessing through X, man, he can use that exponentially. That's why we should care about these things, because they're redemptive in their qualities. And we want to show that to the world around us. Because of that, we want to take the spirit of work seriously, the heart of it. And what I love is that in Solomon's wisdom, he gives us a lot of insight to what it means to work and how to do this well. In fact, throughout the book of Proverbs, he talks a lot about, hey, when it comes to work, be diligent, not lazy, be honest, not shady, be sensible, not greedy, like all of that is in there. And it's designed to build our credibility so that people go, oh man, I'm, uh, I'm glad you work alongside me. I'm glad you're with our company. I'm glad you're in the school. I'm glad you volunteered for this organization because you are a blessing. See, that's why we wanna work well and we wanna work wisely. In fact, in Proverbs chapter three, Solomon said, My child, never forget the things that I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. Which is great. Like, do these things, it's going to be fulfilling and satisfying. Never, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. See, as we navigate this today, more than me giving a bunch of principles on how to work, like, tangibly, uh, the heart here today is how to work wisely. Because if we work with wisdom, then we're going to do things in such a way that we build a good reputation. And if we do that, then we're going to be a good witness. And if we do that, then we're giving God all of the credit for what we do. So they're all tied together. And so in our notes, what we're talking about here is mastering work through wisdom— not simply skill or aptitude or know-how, but saying, all right, as I do this, I wanna do this wisely. Because I think wisdom's a beautiful thing. I'm a fan of trying to grow in wisdom in whatever I do. And so here's some marks of wisdom for us today. We're gonna talk about to, to-dos and the not to-dos, right? Things that we wanna advance and things we wanna make sure we stay away from. And so I'm gonna break this down into two things with some subcategories. So like I said, a lot of blanks to fill in today. So the first thing here, when it comes to wisdom, is wisdom accepts that work is work, right? That's part of it. Work is just work. So when I I talk to young people, they're like, oh man, I don't want to have a job. I want to have a way of life. I don't want to just do stuff. I want to love what I do and do what I love. Mom and dad, I don't want to go to college because it's all about the band. It's all about the music. It's all about the art. It's all about the craft. I'm going to Hollywood, right? Because it's all about just finding myself. And I'm like, no, it's all about the rent, bro. But, all right, unless you want to live with grandma in the basement in her spare room, it's about more than just a thing. But here's the thing I will say, Right. Let's say you find the ability to do what you love and love what you do, and you can make a living at it. It's still going to be hard, right? It's still going to be challenging. Work is still going to be work, no matter what. Even if it's the thing you are most enamored with, and you love doing it every day, there's still gonna be days that are so painful, and you're gonna have anxiety, and you're gonna have frustration. Not everything is gonna work as well as you wanted it to. In fact, just the other night, I watched this new documentary with Selena Gomez, which by the way, for the record, I'm saying it publicly, I dig her, I think she's super cool. And it was just following her life for like four years. And I'm like, she's doing what she loves, she loves what she does, and it's painful. That's the only way to avoid it. But that's not gonna pay off necessarily. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. Lazy people want much, but get here's the thing if you're chasing your dream, so work is work. Therefore, with this in mind, what does Solomon tell us? Well, he says, because work is work. So, first of all, work smarter. Work smarter. See, it's always easy to work harder. You want to work harder, don't have a plan, don't take ownership, don't grow. And you'll work hard. Just go on autopilot, right? And say, I I, I don't need to grow. I I don't need to adapt. I don't need to try harder. Like all of that is going to slow you down. But if you're looking at it saying, all right, I'm going to work smarter because I want to get better. I want to get stronger. I want to be more enthusiastic in what I do. I want to be a bigger blessing to the others around me. All of that is about then working smarter. What does Solomon say about working smarter? He says, using a dull ax requires great strength. So sharpen the blade, right? Like, this is what I love about him. He's like, we're all a bunch of kindergartners. And he's like, okay, kids, gather around, right? You want to really make sure you succeed in life? Don't use a dull ax. And I love this too, because again, I don't know what your equivalent is, but maybe if you look at your vocation and you're like, man, I feel stuck. Right? then sharpening the blade for you may be, hey, read a book on leadership or listen to some podcasts on innovation or maybe talk to a career counselor if you're a student or maybe go to a course that helps you get better at your job or maybe consider pivoting out of the job you have into a field that would better suit you or go back to school or any number of things. But whatever it is, just go, man, sharpening the blade makes life a whole lot easier than just banging away with a dull ax. So sharpen the blade. That's what it means to work smarter. At the same time, it also means we need to work harder. Now, I know some of us go, wait, bro, but you said work smarter. If I work smarter, I don't have to work harder. Not true. You want to work smarter and harder because those augment one another, right? So you want it to be both in tandem. It increases effectiveness,